0: Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com
1: Welcome to The Coaching Show with your host, Master Certified Coach Christopher McCollum.
0: Well, thank you, Dick Warren, and thank you, dear listener, for being with us for another edition of The Coaching Show, a geniusly named podcast, if ever there were one. I'm here with my longtime, what would you
2: say we are, Alex, colleague? Um, I mean, we're pretty committed at this point. You know, I'm like looking at iTunes going, why isn't my name on the cover art of this show? But at this point, you know, we're like, I just don't have a ring from you, but I feel like we're pretty deep down this rabbit hole. Oh, isn't, uh, so, so you feel like maybe we need to talk about our relationship? Yeah. I mean, there, I just don't want to make you uncomfortable. I don't want to scare you off. Is it
0: your name? Your name's not, I've got it. I'll, I'll get, I'll look into it. It shouldn't take more than another month. Um, uh, that would be Alex Terranova. He's a PCC. He is a coach and is,
2: is it five is it six years of coaching? You know, I'm somewhere between five and six. I'm in that, I'm in, in between my fifth and sixth year. I feel like I'm bothering you today. Are you okay? Is there no, am interrupting anything yeah, yeah, you're interrupting? Yeah, you're interrupting my... I was having a really peaceful morning of meditation, and, and you know, oh, you, dra- you drag me on here and make me talk to people that are smart and intelligent and help me learn things, and I just can't deal with it. I'm
0: so sorry. I do feel like a little counseling would help, uh, not coaching, but really like deep therapy would help our relationship. Together? You can, you can find out at thedreammason.com. He's also author of the book Fictional authenticity I, I, feels like an authenticity you can find out more by going to thedreammason.com you also have your own podcast that i'm not i'm not even invited on right All you've been dream on my mason. you
2: have you have been on my podcast the dream mason podcast yeah oh, we're almost fine. you know we're, we're playing catch up to you but we're almost at 150 episodes which is pretty cool it is good to think and like you,
0: yeah and you've got people far better than me on that so people should check it out right <laughs> <laughs> Accomplishment media or wherever fine podcasts are available, including what did you say before? iTunes?
2: That seems very popular. ITunes, Spotify. And I think people I mean people should just check out accomplishmentmedia dot com because you and I have been creating and helping people create a lot of really cool podcasts. There's a podcast on anime now, which it's like anime and coaching. Who would have thought there's podcasts on relationships, there's podcasts about, you know, getting paid to be yourself, which is who doesn't want that? so yeah, I think there's a lot of cool stuff to check out.
0: Well, I often talk about events that are coming up now at this part of the show. And um, what I, what is happening is everything that there was scheduled is now seemingly gone. I told you that I participated in a TEDx event recently in my hometown here in San Diego, California. And um, the, uh, that was a great event, but uh, the 2020 Midwest regional coaches conference, uh, which I was looking forward to is been canceled because of, you know, and um so has i believe the uh capital coaches conference in washington dc so i think we might be done with conferences for the year uh is there anything that you know about alex anything that you look forward to or want to plug that's coming up people should know
2: about you actually just said something that i'm curious about so you which ted talk were you gonna talk in what location was it
0: it was TEDx San Diego and they did a bunch of sort of a 5-day series uh, kind of like the Democratic National Convention this week of uh, of talks on uh, racial justice also kind of like the I
2: was no I asked cuz I was I was just looking actually for talks that I could do virtually online I was looking at TEDx talks yeah. and Some of them have been postponed, some of them they still have scheduled here in San Diego and other parts of the country for the end of the year. And I was curious when I was wondering if TEDx was going to go virtual, I just started thinking about this, or are there spots for speakers and coaches because other people back out of things because they don't want to go places?
0: Right. They're also, um, well, it's online now, and they're also trying and experimenting with new things like TED circles. It's worth checking out. Um, Okay, let's get to it because I'm delighted and honored that we have our guest with us for the entire hours of it. Um, truly one of the OGs of coaching. Um, we're in the presence of greatness. Uh, Mickey McMillan is not only the CEO and founding partner of Blue Mesa Group, which is an executive coaching and consulting firm based in Fort Collins, Colorado, but she is uh, the past president of ACTO, the Association of Coach Training Organizations. She's also an assessor, longtime assessor for the International Coach Federation primary author and program co-director of of the Transformational Coaching Program, which is an ICF-approved accredited coach training program. She's on the board of directors of the Auto Club Group, which is a 14 million member affiliate of AAA. She's chair of the ICF Global Coach Training Board. Once the highest ranking woman in gas and electric operations. Please welcome back to our microphones, Mickey McMillan, hello.
1: Hello, Christopher. Hello, Alex. Thanks
0: for having me. Thanks for being had, as we like to say. Um, so you're in your palatial mansion in Colorado, or have you uh, taken yourself someplace else for the, to sit out this pandemic?
1: You know, I'm, I'm um, happily ensconced in my palatial mansion in Colorado, along with my three donkeys, two horses, three dogs, and a cat.
0: That seems like too many. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's, it's too many cats.
0: I I once heard Hugh Grant describe uh, Sandra Bullock as lovely, brilliant, too many dogs. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, Alex, um, you're in the presence of greatness. If you could speak to a coach with this much experience in everything from coaching and coach training and executive and and, uh, someone who's been in the C-suite for a long, long time, what would you want to know?
2: Uh, the first thing that came up for me when I was, you know, doing my research, and and again, they came came up when I was listening to Christopher introduce you, was the depth and range in which all the things you've done. It's not like, hey, just had a coaching practice, and I was the, you know, something for the ICF. Like you, the boards you're on, the groups you're affiliated with, um, it's you've taken the the wisdom, the experience, the transformational power of coaching, and you've expanded it to all these other places. I'm curious, like, what has, I don't know, what's been the the most challenging, what's been the most fun, and what have you learned in in expanding, you know, yourself and coaching into all these different places?
1: Well, as you know, coaching is, all it is is about learning. So those of us who are coaches... (laughs) Are fortunate that we get to learn all the time which is sometimes a painful process you know because learning can be a an affront on our self esteem you know because we live in a knowing culture most of us do but i I think one of the most important things that I have learned about this is learning how to learn and um, learning how to fail one of my favorite authors is Pema Shodron and she's a, a Buddhist monk, uh nun, and she's a very prolific writer and she um transcribed her graduation speech for a university and the, the title is fail, fail again, fail better. And um so I've been aspiring to do that and I, I can't admit to particularly being good at failing, because I I don't care to do that because it is painful, but in the failure I have learned are the jewels of wisdom and um, I think for me having the discipline to look at the failure and seek the jewels as opposed to woe is me I screwed up how do I you know how do I get out of this thing
0: so powerful and so timely Um. Hey, Alex, if you have a follow up, I'll, I'll defer to you. Man, you're, you're, the,
2: the, the, you're going slow today, huh? <laughs> he,
0: uh, Mickey McMillan has blown my hair back. That's, that's what's happened. I'm
2: just um, left in my hair.
0: The, uh, the thing that I'm eager to talk about is Mickey, you have a long history in coach training and in sort of overseeing and being, a, being an icon, if you will, in the coach training world, as well as a huge resource. Yeah. As you look out over coach training now, what's your message for coach trainers? You could give all coach trainers some place to look, some focus point, or information. Won't you have us know? Well,
1: I've got so, so many thoughts. Um, I'm not sure any of them are are are.
0: I can I can chop the question up if you prefer.
1: No, that's good. Let's keep it where it is. Right now, the hotspot for me is a social justice. And we are, as a coach training board, we've just um, put together a a committee, a special committee to address social justice and ask and answer a couple of questions. The, The first one is, what should coach trainings stand be with regard to social justice. Editorially, I'll say, I hope they come back with a very strong stand because I believe that we have an extraordinary opportunity as coach trainers to influence how people are in the world. Um, we, We carry very big stones that we throw in the pond and the ripple effect is huge. You know there are just under a thousand coach training organizations between the with ICF, um, between the accredited coach training program and the ACSSTH, which is uh, a kissing cousin to um, the the full blown program. So no, just listening.
0: no kissing, no kissing.
1: Sorry. Oh come on. No, not even if you're cousins.
0: I'm very big on the coaching ethics. No kissing. Sorry. To
1: no, no kissing. That's a very good point. We have to be very ethical in this process. So, um, so it's a big it's a big influence. And so, um, if we can stand behind a statement around social justice, and then the things that we're asking this committee to do, which to me is really where the meat is, um, is identify what are some. Um, Curriculum opportunities that the um, coach training schools can employ and also resources. So the question before this committee, uh, besides identifying a stand and providing resources and curriculum suggestions is, does this committee recommend that all coach training organizations with ICF include a social justice component uh, into the curricula? So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And to me, that is, um, it's timely. Um, it's timely here in the United States, but it's timely all across the world. Um, it's, it's, it's late. <laughs> it's way late in terms of being able to have a truly belonging, respectful society wherever we are. And we as coaches have a huge opportunity and as coach trainers, an even bigger opportunity to influence that. I,
2: I'm, I'm actually curious for both of you, as both of you are like experts in coach training and, and bringing up the next generation. And you've been doing this for a while. Um, I just thought about like, what do you think about like, did did coaches, did coach trainers, did we, how did it get missed? How did it get stepped over? to where we're at the point now, especially because look, we're in an industry, right? It's all about awareness. It's all about asking questions. So how did this get missed so much that we're like playing catch up or where that we're in it and now we're trying to improve on it and do better? Is there anything that you can see or shed light on? Because maybe there's something that's gonna come down the pipe, you know, 10 years from now that we could have seen now if we were looking.
1: It's a good question. Um, you know, how did we miss it? Um, You know, I I was listening to a um, a podcast the other day on white privilege and um, the speaker was a black man. And, you know, white privilege has somewhat of an accusatory sense of, well, you're privileged because you're white. Um, We're privileged because we don't have the barriers and we don't pay attention to barriers because they're not in front of us you know, we might notice a person who's in a wheelchair, who's um, stuck on a sidewalk because there's not a curb that she can get down. We might notice that because it's blatantly obvious that she's stuck on the block, but others, other the micro inequities and the macro inequities, do we pay attention as white people? Maybe not as much. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's a good excuse for this. This is, you know, in, you know internally, I feel um, uh, a responsibility for having a better past. And um, to my point earlier about failure, you can't get a better past. They don't let you do that. But I, I wish that we had been paying attention 15, 20 years ago, and we weren't as much as we are now. I'd be curious, Christopher, what's your point about that?
0: Oh, we're getting into it now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, knead the dough here. Because uh, for me, Alex, thanks for the question and for the opportunity to speak to it. Mm-hmm. Because the, I remember in 2000, I want to say it was 2006, uh, I think the ICF conference was in Denver. Cheryl Richardson opened it with a keynote. And in that large room... Uh, during the q and A, I I stood up and I said, this room does not look like the world. What initiatives is the ICF taking on, or are we taking on as coaches to diversify, right? Now, that's a long time ago, and in a culture that was very different than what we're experiencing in the huge leaps forward in civil rights and awareness these days. But I love what you point to, Mickey, about, you know, there was a very lukewarm, maybe even slightly chilly reception to that comment, right, to that point, Because what's so is we didn't have any structures. We didn't, I I think so many of us were concerned about building coaching as an honorable, integrist profession that we left a whole segment or whole segments of society out. Um, But to Mickey's point, I think that's how white supremacist culture works. We don't see our privilege. You know, it's kind of like, oh, I was sitting around the other day not thinking about my white privilege, is exactly how it works, right? And now that it is in all of our awareness, I think there's a huge, to Mickey's point, catch up to do, but also a huge opportunity to make sure that we never step over it again. And I, I love, Mickey, your leadership in this at the ICF, you know, because the ICF could turn a blind eye or, you know, do a little toe in the water kind of effort. And so I appreciate your courage in really taking it on like lowly, Coach training must have, I believe this is your stand, must have or should have some social justice components. In it. We should address everything from oppressed and marginalized peoples at all of it, right? The, the people with learning, hearing, mobility, and other issues, as well as people with gender fluidity or you know, LGBTQ plus, Etc. Etc. Am I am I picking up what you're laying down, Mickey? Or do you see? It
1: I, absolutely, absolutely. And and you know, people of color, of course. And you know, the list goes on. And um, th- there's so many um, marginalized people who it isn't obvious that they are different. And um, you know, so it's um, it it makes for a difficult situation. I, I remember being in a. You know, back in in the days when we went to coffee breaks and uh, being in the coffee room with a bunch of people who were um, my peers, and um, someone cracked a joke about um, somebody who's gay, and it was a joke. I happen to know the one person sitting in the room was gay, but closeted. And I remember having this horrible feeling in my gut and in my heart about what must it be like for him to sit here, pretend he's somebody who is not, and laugh at a joke that is killing him. And, you know, so it, the, the list is far and wide. And, you know, to your point, paying attention to those differences and being awake to them is is what I think we're being called to do. I've never been followed around a Seven Eleven if I walk in, you know, being, um, you know, wondering is is that lady going to steal a bag of potato chips? You know, a man of color walks into a Seven Eleven, and it's not unlikely that he'd be followed around. Yeah, it
0: was. Noticing the other day in my haste to driving my fancy car down the road, I was um, thinking about, thought about a driver in front of me who was slower than I. And then as I passed them, I realized it was a, um, a BIPOC 10 and I was thinking, oh, if I get pulled over, I'm not so worried. Do you know what I mean? I'm probably going to get a ticket, a warning, a conversation, right? If somebody else gets pulled over, their life is literally at stake. Do you know what <laughs> I mean? Let's all slow down, right? Let's all. It's it's shameful and it's so great that we're in this opportunity to make a lasting difference. Nikki, anything you want to say about your particular um, efforts or what we can count on with your leadership in terms of what difference will be made throughout the social community around issues of diversity, equity, and inclusion?
1: Well, I think uh, once we get this recommendation that then we would, would carry out to all the coach training schools. Um, you know, I hope, I hope that what coach training schools, how they receive this is with inspiration and with hope and with um, gratitude. Now, if you'll notice, I have rose <laughs> color um, in these glasses. I, I recognize that this is messy. It could be met with uh, objections, with anger, with, you know, all kinds of things that I may not necessarily welcome. But, you know, my my hope is that the schools will embrace this and, and recognize this is a great opportunity to enhance coach training just for the very sake of humanity uh, irrespective of differences among us and um so that that's my hope so i' I'm, I'm hoping that it's it's met with inspiration and um, we we have this committee on a pretty tight time frame we've asked them to work very quickly we are hoping to have a recommendation that we can present to the board by october of this year that we would then present to coach training schools um, in early 2021 and um, give them an opportunity to take a look at the curriculum suggestions and look at ways that they could incorporate um, some of the suggestions into their curricula. You know, and having said that, a lot of schools already do this. They already have strong social justice components. I think your school does, Christopher. I know ours does. Um, and and we, we do our best to weave in all throughout the program, this notion of respect, belonging, paying attention, being awake to differences, and this sort of thing.
0: I, I, I appreciate the, the shout out, but I, I guess I want to push back just a smidge where on the one hand, yes, it's good that we are doing that work. On the other hand, we're so new at it. And I, I think we could probably name a handful of schools that are doing that and a whole bunch of schools that are not. Mm. Um, so I, I appreciate the work that we're all doing. I would, I would say two things. The first is one of the things we're wrestling with is whether to leave it into everything, you know what I mean? In which case there's a lot more work for us to do because it's certainly easier in an educational sense to make it like a module, right? Like, a, Oh, and you know, include everybody. Okay. And of module, right. Whereas, um, to actually be responsible in the room during the, the conversation about oh i just noticed that i right or it seems like you and actually be able to train that requires a level of sensitivity and responsibility and awareness that i think is still nascent is still you know baby in many of us what are you dealing with in your school and are you are you i heard you say weaving throughout are you are you running into any sort of Obstacles or choke points or
1: friction? No, not – no, and yes, of course, you know. Um, yeah. I want to take a different angle at your question, if I could, because if you take a look at the core competencies, particularly the updated core competencies, oh, and – you know, we've, we've broken them into actually two major components, the being of coaching and the doing of coaching. And, you know, the being is around the ethics of not kissing your cousin. Um, and the, the other around being is the mindset of coaching, you know, which includes things like curiosity, humility, love, um, you know, all of these pieces that we really ask coaches to do. You know, we we want our coaches to deeply embrace that the other is whole, healthy, capable of making his or her own decisions, you know, um, Cap- the coach herself is, is capable of managing, regulating her emotions. You know, All of these are about the being of a coach, which to me um, provide a beautiful opportunity to add conversation around what's been missing in our culture, what's missing in our community, and as it relates to people who are different. And uh, doing that introspection, that audit of do do I limit my respect to people who are just like me? Or do I calibrate my respect and provide it more to people who I believe have more authority than I? You know, so those to me are opportunities for coach schools, coach trainers to add conversation, add case studies that correlate beautifully to the being of a coach and frankly the doing of the coach, you know, the the inquiry, the deep listening, building relationships, building trust.
2: I want to I want to throw something in that might that might be a little messier than and it's it's actually for both of you, Mickey, but I'd love to hear from you first. You know, we we just ta- address some of the issues or things that we're working on, or that coaching schools are working on and need to be working on as we go forward. Something that I notice in not from the coaching schools, but from coaches is there's a lot of coaches, and then we and there's more people actively choosing this, but there's not a lot of coaches, comparatively speaking, making money and making paying their bills and doing this as a profession. And that's fine if people, you know, it's their side hustle. It's something they do part-time. But I, I mean, I know a lot of coaches that would like to be doing it full-time and they can't break through that threshold. Um, I also know plenty that that have, the three of us, but plenty of others. But I'm curious what you both can see that can be added or enhanced to the training that can support that. Like I, I think about lawyers and doctors, if if they were going to law school and getting their medical degrees and then they couldn't make money or they couldn't get Jobs, we'd see a decline, um, and how that is going to impact, you know, coach training and where we go from here.
1: I don't have any answers for that. You know, I really don't. I, I, if the system, and I'm using ICF as the system because it's the. It's a bigger dog when it comes to professional coaching organizations. And right now, schools are not um, rewarded um, in terms of student contact hours for providing business training or business development. How do you create a business? How do you do a business plan? This is my opinion. It isn't my board's opinion. We haven't even talked about this yet. But I, my opinion is that schools should be allowed to teach people how do you create a business plan? How do you anticipate the market? How do you make yourself marketable? Um, You know, and and for me, it's a strong business case because the the more coaches who are successful, the stronger our profession. And, you know, success, of course, has to do with being able to do it, being able to make it a livelihood. Um, and I'm sure there are other answers. I don't have them. But I agree with you. There are a lot of coaches who are struggling, who yearn to be coaches full time.
0: Alex, I'm not sure I got the gist of your question. Is there is there a... Piece that you want us to address specifically, or are you just looking for a broad?
2: No, so yeah, I think the so the specific piece is it seems like a big gap or issue in coaching is the fact that a lot of coaches aren't making money, and yet there continue to be more and more. Right? There's, I think I read recently that like the average coach is like below fifty thousand dollars. That's the average obviously. So there's, and then I read that I was actually talking to one of the other accomplishment coaching leaders about how, if you make six figures as a coach, you're like in the top 5% of all coaches. Um, that's pretty, you know, no, there's no, I don't know the gap between that and where it goes from there, but to be able to say, Hey, you make six figures, you're in the top 5% is a pretty cool thing. But it also made me reflect on, you know, if you live in Los Angeles or New York or San Diego or Seattle, that, that top 5%, mightn't that that's like barely getting you by in some of those places, especially you know, if you have a family and, and you're the, you know, the, maybe the main breadwinner or whatever. Um, and so I see it as, as we're looking at these things in coach training uh, around the core competencies to improve coaching. We're looking at uh, how we can improve diversity and inclusion to improve coaching. And if we don't actually look at how do we make coaches money and I like what Mickey said about actually teaching them how to run a business. I didn't know how to run a business. I mean, I knew how to run other businesses, but not a, like be an entrepreneur. How do we, how can we improve the process of coach training to have people become more successful in that realm, in the money realm?
0: Thanks for, thanks for clarifying. And I didn't, I didn't hear a more specific, more specific. So I'll just address it generally. My, my view is that we're, uh, and forgive me, Mickey, if I'm taking up too much of our time here, but uh, I agree 100% that we should do that. Our, our program has—it's the main differentiator of our program from the beginning. We've you know pushed people and trained them on how to do their business. I think the, the one thing I'm most proud of and that I tell people when I have the opportunity to speak is two things. First of all, there are a bunch of ways to get referrals or to get known. And most of us do the thing that we're already doing. In other words, if we're good networkers, we could do more networking. Or if we're used to speaking publicly, we do more public speaking. But we rarely try the other thing. So I generally lay out 12 different options for people and say, try everything at least once. you know what I mean? And the second piece is that you're uh, – I'll use myself as, as an example. The first time I did public speaking, I got my reviews or feedback or whatever it was, and they were like – sevens. Now, do you know what I mean? And I stopped because I thought, oh, you know, I can't live with seven. Mm -hmm. Instead, you know, my coach sort of verbally slapped me upside the head and said, yes, how you get to 10 is you start at where you are and then you get better. So recently I was privileged to speak to a a group and got, you know, 98% of the highest rating, right? And, um, you know, certainly that's not Normal for me, but I. But I, the point is, we should not only try different things, but we should try them repeatedly and get better at things, Right? If you, if you, if you're um, and you're exactly right. The, the the question that comes up for me is: as coach trainers, do we have a responsibility to make our coach training more accessible to the BIPOC community or all marginalized? Should we offer a different price for an LGBTQ person or a or a marginalized or uh, you know, racially oppressed culture as a matter of course or as a matter of scholarship or something like that. Is that something you're dealing with in your school, Nikki?
1: Yeah, it, we are. And, um, you know, the the questions often come. But you, if I could, I'd like to flip this, too, because, Alex, you bring up something that if we look at it from a client perspective um, – <laughs> Who needs coaching? I mean, in my book of business, everybody does, but there's a lot of people who need coaching who can't access it because they can't afford it. And um, so, you know, I think that's the other part of this question, and it doesn't satisfy your initial concern of the viability of the coach necessarily, but I do think we have a to look through that lens of how do we extend what we do really well to people who really need it? Uh, who can't afford to pay for it? And um, you know i I don't know the answer to that either, but it seems like it's an opportunity that we should probably look at
2: it it definitely drives up like questions as a you know on a on still on the earlier side of my career. Um, you know hopefully I look back and go this was still the infancy of a, of a long career in in this World, um, I notice that I will get I get caught up in those conversations where somebody says I really want to work with you, but this is what I can afford, and it's a it's a lower amount. It's half. It's a third. Whatever than what I typically charge. And from my coach training, I default to oh, they got to, we got to stand for them to create the, create this, that they can't be limited by these, this, this number in their mind or whatnot. And then there is a, I, I find myself also the other side. Uh, I kind of go, Mickey, where you just pointed to that, hey, is this an opportunity to support this person and get them, you know, they might, where they are might be as far as they're able to go without some coaching at the moment. Um, and maybe the, the, being open to the conversation and letting them in. And so I see that as a way, um, I see that same conversation happening with coaching schools, right? Christopher, you know, yours is, is not the cheapest. And I think that, you know, you, it's excellent, which is you get what you pay for in, in a lot of areas of life. And there's a lot of people that were blocked out of that because of the price. Um, and I think I'm, so. I guess that the question that I have for both of you is, how do you how do we look at that line where we're saying, oh, we're lowering, you know, the standard or the bar, we're buying into people's limiting beliefs, versus um, we're actually um, opening a door for pe- to give people more access.
1: I, th- I think some of the challenges. Is- for me in this conversation is um, the compensation (laughs) and am I getting compensated fairly as a coach Um, or enough or you know whatever the descriptor is I'm curious what's underneath that you know because rarely is it just about the money and I, I'm curious about what is underneath that what what are the possibilities that could be explored as a coach in terms of his or her compensation um, you know and that's a controversial thing because you, you know when you're starting out you want to make money so that you can keep it going and build the business and that kind of thing at the same time to me there needs to be a different question I don't know what it is yet but needs to be something different.
0: Christopher McAuliffe is your source for the latest in the world of personal coaching. Whether it be speaking with such luminaries as Deepak Chopra or getting the newest techniques and innovation, The Coaching Show is always on the cutting edge of what's happening now.
1: The Coaching Show is brought to you by Accomplishment Coaching, home of the World's Finest Coach Training Program. Here is Christopher McAuliffe, Master Certified Coach.
0: I love that spin on it, Mickey. What, What I would point to is that when when we train coaches, and I assume that it's the same with you, one of the things we people are so keyed on these days is niche. What's my niche? Who am I going to work with? You know, am I going to work with left-handed ballet dancers, or portrait photographers, or you know, C-suite executives who are going to pay me? A, a lot of our people who arrive at the coach training program are interested in I want to make a hundred thousand dollars this year, right, my first year, and to kind of our my theme of today. No ramp up, right? No, like, I'm going to do this at a certain level until I'm better at it, and then I'm going to charge more, and then I'm better at it, I'll charge more like that. So I think that expectations and entitlement are are some of the things I'm hearing in the background of your comment, And also the notion that when we address niche, we talk about actually go out and find out. What kind of people you're attracting what kind of people are are resonating with you to hire you and work with you as a coach because you may set your sights on the healthcare executive and you may find out that creatives are the people that want to work for it. that's where your joy is and so sort of to my earlier point again try different things you know see what the people ask people what are you interested in paying for coaching if we were to start Rather than hit them with, uh, it's ten thousand dollars a week, you know, or whatever the thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's a great point, Christopher. Because it, money notwithstanding, you know, the the people who are doing what they love and working with people with whom they love, boy, that's it doesn't get any better than that, in my book. You know, and um, and hopefully that happens, and then the appropriate compensation follows where whatever enough is enough you know
0: i've been wondering uh, are you a reader or do you listen to books or how do you get your
1: all, all of the all of the above what's a
0: book that you've been either recommending or distributing or gifting most recently <laughs> um, i
1: recently i recently Go ahead. Well, I I recently acquired a puppy, and um, this this is a backward answer to your question, but I have been correlating a lot of the lessons I'm learning in terms of training this dog, which actually is training me um, to work with the dog, right? So I have been referring... um, a lot of animal training books that align with partnership rather than command and control. And, um, and, I it, and, and I, I hate to, you know, um, lower a dog standing in the world by correlating it to humanity. But to me, there's a, there's a parallel between working with an animal and working with another person. And, um, you know, how do you listen? How do you pay attention to the nuances? How do you, how do you read the situation in such a way that both you and the the animal become successful? So I, you know, that's a crazy answer to your question and and it may insult some people, Um, but I found it to be very insightful.
2: I I love it you both just brought in animals um and and lowering a dog to cuz what I what I find and what I would love to hear is um uh, there's so much we can learn from nature and animals and different things that we're that we can apply to ourselves as humans um I'm where do you see uh coaching as like mickey where do you see the the gap for coaching um the sorry i'm trying to phrase this where's the opportunity to bridge like coaches coming out of coaching schools and getting into supporting companies and how did and how can they better do that versus the the one-on-one or the individual which is where i see most of them often go to first how do they, how, what's the advice or tip to get involved with? You've done a lot of work with companies and bigger businesses. And I have animals making lots of noise in the background. I apologize. <laughs> Are any of them mules or donkeys? No, but they're all like, none of them can breathe. I feel like I might need to attend to them in a minute.
1: <laughs> they have ASPCA on speed dial, Alex. Be careful. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I want to I see Christopher's. List, you know, list of twelve, because I imagine there's a lot of brilliance there. Um, but back to your question about you know making money, I mean, a coach can make a decent amount of money in individual you know one on one coaching. If you go to an organization, typically you get paid more, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think we need to expand our offerings. You know group coaching, of course, is becoming quite popular. Um, and is a huge opportunity to leverage some powerful change within organizations and communities, frankly. Um, there are probably a ton of other ways that the coaching can get out into the world that would create a sense of reciprocity, you know, appropriate compensation and, and sharing the gifts to the world. I don't know, Christopher. I'd I'd love for you your opinion on that. I I mean,
2: the thing place I was looking wasn't just really about money. It was it was um, also how to break how to better break that barrier. How to. Like I know coaches, right? It's not just about money that want to work with companies. I know that I find a lot of, I love working with my one-on-one clients, but I find value when I've worked with companies is there's a bigger, almost like a bigger funnel or a bigger trickle down. I impact the leaders that carries down to their, they show up differently with their managers than their managers show up differently with the, you know, the the teams below them. Both of you have worked, have plenty of experience with companies. What is what have you learned about breaking into that? That new coaches need to hear, or need to know about gaining access to that world.
1: Networking. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, I, that's how I did it. Um, that's how I do it. Um, you know, I. I started out doing a whole lot of free stuff. You know, I I volunteered to be a coach for United Way Board of Directors that was made up of, you know, people who typically work for companies. And, um, you know, I spoke at Rotary Clubs, you know, all the things that might be on Christopher's list. Um, Because unless someone knows you, why would they even recognize that you're a viable resource. You know, but but you, to, to get in the door, you've got to have a little street cred too, right? Um, you know, and for me, that was relatively easy. I mean, I came out of being an executive for pipe and wire, you know, and, and construction and that sort of thing. And so, um, so I, I understood business um, understood politics and the nuances there and how it works. So it really helps to know that. And I learned it from experience. Um, you know, I did, I, I, I don't know if it's realistic to think, and it may be it could be my own limiting limited thinking, but I don't know if it's realistic to think that someone who is um has not been in business for example would understand how to coach in the context of business uh you know, you know without some kind of really deep understanding of what that is but that again that could be my limited thinking
0: feel, um I feel like I've, I'm sort of a broken record because my advice slash uh, experience is that you start where you are, you know, and also at, to my earlier point, maybe follow your bliss a little bit. I used to go to back in the before times when we traveled, I would go to New York once or twice a month. And, you know, I I stayed and worked very close to, for example, Goldman Sachs. And I kept having the thought I should go in there. I should go, you know, talk to talk my way into somebody's office and start, working with Goldman Sachs, because, you know, if you want to talk about the movers and shakers of the globe, some of them worked there. And it just wasn't my bliss or my interest, or I never could, you know, really get over there, even though I literally walked past the building several times a weekend. And um, what I did instead was I would love to talk to the people, for example, at my hotel, Right. Oh, what do you do? And what do you do? And how, what's it like for you? And you must see so many thousands of people and move your methods famous. And, you know, those sorts of things led to, to Mickey's point, a, a knowing of each other and a familiarity. And then, Oh, you know, you need to talk to our executive chef because they're really going through something right now, or you should talk to our GM because they're brand new and they're not doing such a great job. Do you know what I mean? And pretty soon I've got hotel clients, you know what I mean? Which, led to better rooms, frankly, but let's not talk about that right now. Um, So there's a little bit of two pieces of being advice. I think. The first is from, you know, the legendary rap uh, uh, guru Fat Joe, and lean back and sort of stop trying to make it someplace or be somebody that you're not. And the other is, you know, the familiar start where you are, like talk to the people you're already talking to and enjoy speaking with. Because there's nothing wrong with getting a client who runs a bodega or your dry cleaner as opposed to you know the c-suite executive of you know, the biggest paper group
1: manufacturer. that is such a good point i i i love that you said that Thank you could come back anytime <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's,
0: laughs> it feels like we have to talk about the icf core competency you want to give us any of your thoughts views or um body sensations about the, the shapes.
1: (laughs) I love the revised core competencies. And to me, they, they came alive. I love the previous ones, but they really came alive with this new body of work that ICF has done. Um, As a, as a trainer, I'm excited about teaching them because to me, there's more depth, more breadth, more meaning to them, more application. Um, and and you know it um as an assessor i hear um for example um you have to get a coach agreement within the first nanosecond of your conversation which is which which absolutely sends me up a wall because that's not true it's not what icf has ever said um even in the first 30 seconds or even 10 minutes but that notion has been out there and so the competencies the revised competencies to me has have busted that story a little bit so that the coach has an opportunity to get both content and context because without both of those it's very difficult to have a meaningful conversation if you know on the other side if i if i knew what i wanted to talk with you about christopher as my coach why do i need you you know, or, or if I say I want to talk about making blue orange juice, that's rarely the issue. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all of the things underneath that that are driving my desire to make blue orange juice. That's the magic of coaching when you can get underneath those things that are blind to, you know, to the client and um so so, to me, the revised competencies have opened up that possibility and opened up that skill set, frankly, of what does it take to really get meaning behind what the client is saying and um, so so that has really um, is something I'm excited about.
2: I'm actually you know i don't I don't know how many coaches listening to this know. Uh, all that much about the core competency changes like I know that they exist I know people are you know learning them but I don't know anything about them is this is this something you could kind of give us a quick like fill in update you know for all of us that are n- almost new to this conversation you're not going to explain the whole thing obviously unless you want to hang out for another hour or two but something that just to give us an idea of where they're going
1: Essentially they've been simplified. Um, you know, we went from 11 to I believe eight core competencies. There's been a, a combination of some things that might've been a little more ambiguous before, um, before there was, uh, for example, direct communication, creating awareness. And I can't remember one other that were, um, a part of their own separate competency, you know, and, and now it's, I am so sorry. Um now
0: you know you're popular.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so popular. Um now it's it, it it has been simplified, streamlined. So and I think more clear. Um for example, how do I as a coach create awareness? I have no capacity to create awareness. I only have the capacity to ask questions that hopefully will create awareness, but I don't have that power to do that. For example, so just linguistically it's improved a, a ton. Um, and in terms of that, the simplicity has followed. Um, that's a top of mind answer, Alex, um, without getting into much chapter and verse. Um, you know, again, there's the two sections, you know, the, the being of a coach, which includes the ethics and the mindset of a coach, and then the, the doing, which are including, you know, some of the other core competencies around listening, building trust, asking questions. Um Evoking awareness. What do you do to facilitate client growth? Those are the doing of coaching, the skill of coaching.
0: I think that the confusion is also warranted. Um, My belief and understanding, which may not be accurate, is that the you know um, hilariously, because coaches often deal in projects, you know, project structures with our clients. the ICF has done a little bit of a stutter step with regard to the ICF core competencies and uh, evaluation of PCCs uh, as a beginning place with the change to a PCC marker. And then in both cases sort of unveiled it with this time frame that I think has been revised at least once in each case. So there's a fair amount of confusion and that's, I think we can all own that, that there is confusion in the space and you can do the best you can to try and resolve that confusion. But frankly speaking, as a coach trainer, I'm sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop from us, you know, about like, well, we say it's going to be next year, but really, you know, it's, there's been a
1: couple of changes.
0: Do you have any of that, uh, any clarity about that Mickey, or should we ask somebody over Magda's office?
1: (laughs) Um, I, I wish I had clarity around that. I, I believe that there's going to be a much better coordination of action going forward than there has been in the past. Um, a lot of new, really sharp leaders have come into ICF. Um, there's a lot more coordination at, for example, between credentials and standards and coach training, um, where both of those intersect for coach training organizations um, you know, it sounds a little like corporate speak, it's going to get better, trust me. But I, I see the structures being put into place where it, it does get better and it will get better. And I think that what I'm noticing is that we're attempting to make it a partnership with coach trainers rather than a gotcha. And, um, From that regard, I I hope you're starting to notice that. Um, If you're not, I'd love to have an offline conversation with you about how that could be more noticeable. Um, ICF has a ways to go. There's no question about it. And I will say from a coach-trainer perspective, it hasn't always been easy working with ICF. It hasn't always been clear.
0: Gosh, I so love spending time with you. You're you're wise and clear and humble and all the delightful things that I enjoy in people, including generous and kind. Um, What do you? One of the things about those of us who've been in the industry for a while is that we're um, aging, and some of the mountains that we intended to climb in our life have been climbed, right? I'm eager to hear what you're looking at in terms of your own personal future. Top of the mountain in many ways, including being the chair of the ICF Global Coach Training Board. Are there still mountains you want to climb? Are you eager to be the global ICF president or chair of that board or something? Or are you looking at a different future, for yourself?
1: You know, in February, I'll complete a two-year program that I'm taking with the University of California, Berkeley, um, meditation and mindfulness teacher um, preparation, and so I've been a student of mindfulness and meditation for about 20 years and have always yearned to take it deeper and, you know, you you know this as a teacher, Christopher, um, (laughs) you in order to learn something, you teach it, That then it really gets more embedded. Right. So i wanted to learn more about that process of what does mindfulness and meditation do to the human psyche, to the human being. And so that's my next endeavor. And, um, I don't really know what I want to do with it. I mean, part of it I want to include in our coach training because it's, I think a mindful coach is a wise coach. Um, but there's something else I want to do with it, and I haven't yet identified that. Um, but I feel that pull, that yearning.
0: I love it. I cannot wait to see what you create, too. Knowing how powerful you are. Um, I, Alex, is, is there
2: anything else you want to get to, or should we give our our guest the final word here? Are, are you ready? For- I, I mean, I just want to applaud. I just want to applaud you, uh, Mickey and Christopher. You fall into this too. You know, I think like you're both extraordinary and, um, have already achieved so much and you're already the experts. And yet you set an example as you continue to learn. I, I thanks for sharing that you're still taking classes and, and developing. Um, cause I think it, there's just a part of human, like we make, we arrive and then we kind of do the thing and we forget, like, it's not, you don't hit a, you don't get the five gold stars and there's no more learning to be done. So I just want to applaud you both for that as setting an example for us younger, younger people coming up. Um, no, I don't, I don't have anything else except to, to, uh, set the stage, you know, for making anything you want to leave us with anything you want to share a soapbox moment that you want to share with all the listeners.
1: I, I want to steal uh, the notion from Christopher because I think it really is the, the most brilliant thing that came out of this today for me. And, and that is as, as a coach, go do what you love, work with people that you love and, um, just love fully because life, as you alluded to a few minutes ago, Christopher, um, we are getting older. Um, life is like a roll of toilet paper. The closer you get to the end, the faster you run out. And um, so (laughs) that's becoming quite obvious to me that time is moving so fast. So don't waste
0: it. A beautiful and inspirational note for us to end on. Mickey McMillan, thank you for all of your great work for coaches everywhere for all of these years. Thank you for bringing the heart as well as the mindset of a coach. To our awareness, and thanks for being a lifelong learner, somebody who's committed to learning and developing. I'm so excited to hear what you're up to, and I know something extraordinary will come out of it. Can't wait! For more information, go to Blue Mesa Coaching. That's B-L-U-E M-E-S-A Coaching. C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot com. Blue Mesa Coaching is where you can find out more about Mickey and the work that uh, she and her team are doing. Uh, of course, the ACF, You can find out more by going to coachfederation.org. Alex Terranova is available at thedreammason.com. Alex, any final
2: thoughts for you today? I don't. You know, I I was telling someone the other day that I think the best the best thing about doing being here is the the impact and the continued learning. So. You know i'm always reminded when i when i get on here to be you know a novice a rookie listen um see what i can pick up to remember that like this is a long road this journey to become you know to sit in the seats of either one of you didn't happen in five years didn't even happen in in 10 years it it took doing this work and getting clients and failing we kind of come back to the beginning of the conversation like failing and messing it up and not doing it right. And I, I just, I, there's so much value in getting to hear those things from you both um, because I know me and tons of other young, you know, younger coaches, not by age, but based on experience in the profession, um, we mess up and fail all the time. And often we, we, it hits us really hard. And so it's, it's, uh, it's just a really great reminder to see people that have continued to grow. So thank you both.
0: Thank you, Alex. Once again, the Dream Mason. Thank you for your partnership here. And thank you so much, Mickey, again. Uh, We're grateful to have you here. And thank you, our dear listeners. Oh, thanks. Sorry. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for spending time with us. That's another edition of The Coaching Show. Each week, bringing you people out on the cutting edge of coaching, people who are the uh, OGs of coaching or just playing somebody you need to know about. I Thank you for your listening today, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: That's it for today's episode. Thanks for listening to The Coaching Show. We will talk to you next week.